We're in the final installment of this series called Kingdom Culture. And we've been talking about living as citizens of a spiritual kingdom that you and I were, we're citizens of the kingdom of God if we've said yes to Jesus. And so I wanna go to our foundational verse here together. It's found in Philippians chapter one, verse 27, the first part of it. It says this, whatever happens, somebody shout whatever. And how many of you know, a whole lot has happened this year, right? And so he's saying whatever happens though, global pandemic, racial injustice, furlough, relational tension, anxiety, fear of the future, fear of uncertainty. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, you're a citizen of a different kingdom. And so don't act like everybody else. Don't talk like everybody else. Don't think like everybody else. Matter of fact, the word conduct actually means that you are citizens and you're to live out your citizenship. And so you're a citizen of a spiritual kingdom. So week one, we talked about kingdom values, that we're to live out the values of the kingdom. And week two, we talked about attitudes of the kingdom. How many of you know, we learned that your attitude is by choice, not by chance. And so you don't have to wake up in the day going, what kind of attitude will I have today? No, you choose your attitude. I'm not saying it's easy, but you make the choice. Last week, Pastor Eddie brought a great message about our intimacy with the Father, that that's where our power is found. That's the source of our strength. And then today I wanna to bring a topic that I think will make a real difference in your life as we close out this series. Let's, let's pray one more time. Father, pray that you'd help our hearts and minds to be open to your word. And I pray God that you'd help me to deliver it in the way that you spoke it to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. I mean, how many of you know that perspective is a powerful thing? Come on, every, every campus, you know perspective is a powerful thing. It really is if you think about it because you make relational decisions based on your perspective in large part. You make financial decisions, come on, some good, some bad, based on your perspective about things. You, you make educational decisions. Some of you are thinking about, where am I gonna go to college? LifePoint College is where you're going if you love Jesus. Um, I, I, where are you going to college one day? You know, where am I gonna work? You make career decisions. You make advancements in your career based on your perspective. It's, it's a really powerful thing. And perspective is simply this, it is the way you view something. Or it's better said this way, it is your point of view. And so in other words, perspective is the point from which you see something. It's the point from which you view something. I was watching college football yesterday because God is still on his throne and so we have it this fall. And um, I was watching college football and my team was driving down the field there was a great pass to the wide receiver. The quarterback was about to break a school record with seven touchdowns on the day at five in the first two quarters. He was about to hit number seven and break a school record, passed it to the wide receiver. The wide receiver's running. Defensive player comes in. I think it was the safety comes in and he goes to hit him. So the wide receiver extends, he hits the pylon. The ref calls touchdown, but then they review the play. And so in reviewing the play, they came back and said, the, the, the ruling on the field is reversed. They didn't make it in. He's, he's down at the one yard line. And, and, and in the moment, I'm like, no, it was a touchdown. But what I know is that the review booth 
has multiple camera angles. They have more points of view than what I have. And so they're able to make a better call because of their perspective. And if I could just time out in the message a moment to say to some of you, you think your situation is bleak and dark. And I just wanna say to you that heaven has the final say on what happens on the field of your life. Come on, somebody. They have multiple camera angles because my God is always working all things together for the good of those who love him. And so they reversed the plane. They reversed the play because I had one point of view, they had multiple points of view. Here's what I want you to understand is that your perspective and my perspective, all of us, no matter if we know God, don't know God, new to church, been going to church all of our life, all of us have limited perspective. Limited perspective. You, you only have the point of view that has been informed by your upbringing. It's been informed by your education. It's been informed by your experiences. This is why you should get out of your neighborhood. Hello, somebody. It's why you should get out of your neighborhood. This is why you should get out of your state, wherever you're watching from. This is why, if you can, you should get out of your country. Because why? Because it begins to broaden your perspective. You begin to see things on an angle that you didn't see them before. You begin to understand. You begin to go, oh, I thought it was only this way. Look what I learned. I broadened my perspective. I remember the first time I grew up in East Tennessee and spoke hillbilly. And I remember the first time that, that I moved outside of there. I remember when I moved to New York City. Hello, somebody. My perspective was broadened a whole lot. Are y'all following me? Why? Because I got outside of my norm. I got outside of my family system. I began to broaden my understanding of some things because your point of view is limited. The point from where you view things is limited based on your experience, based on your education, based on your exposure. That's why parents, one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is exposure, exposing them to different things exposing them to different environments. Why? Because it broadens their world a little bit. Are y'all with me? So we have limited perspective. And so in this series, what I've been wanting to do through the book of Philippians is go, hey, I want to broaden your perspective to see things for your point of view in some ways to change from what it currently is to a kingdom point of view that I begin to see the world, I begin to see life, I begin to see my choices from the point of view of the kingdom because the way you see things determines how you live things. Let me say it this way. What you believe is what you become. What you believe is what you become. And so in this series, I've been wanting to say, no, 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 you may have grown up that way, but the kingdom says this. You may have always thought that way, but the kingdom says this. And in order to do that, you know what you've got to do? You have to change your point of view. But here's what a lot of us like to do is we want to read God's word and go, hey, God's word, come over to my point of view. Here's what I want to encourage you to, and this may be strong. I'm only eight minutes into the message. You may be like, wow, this is strong at the start. Here's what I want to encourage you to. When your perspective and God's perspective don't line up, always assume you're wrong. Are y'all, that was good, preacher. When your perspective and God's perspective don't line up, assume you're wrong. Just start from the assumption, I'm wrong. I've got to figure something out. And so today, I want to talk to you on a topic 
that is seen in Philippians chapter four as Paul closes out this incredible letter to the church at Philippi and he's writing out of his heart. He's thanking them for something. That's one of the purposes of the book is for him to thank them. And so I wanna close this out, challenging your perspective on an area that so many people, I'm just like, if you would get this thing, it would radically change your life. That's not preacher talk, that's not hype. It's like, no, if you would really get this, it would radically change your life. I've been doing this church, we planted 15 years ago. I've been preaching since I was 17, so for 27 years, I've been preaching the gospel. Started preaching my summer before my high school year. And I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands of people, that when I've talked about this topic and they've tried God, they've go, no, I'm gonna change my point of view and start living this way. How many times they've told me, pastor, it's changed my life. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. I don't know why I didn't obey sooner. I don't know why I didn't respond to God's way sooner. And so I, I wanna talk to you about it. And, and we're gonna go into chapter four, but I think it's capsulated really good in a verse from Proverbs. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And it's this, it's this. A generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, 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 if you're online, don't turn it off. God will make your hot water heater go out. <laughs> and you may have a flat tire tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Because some people, anytime you, you mention generosity in the church, they're like, oh, here we go again. I want you to get this principle. I, I just, a little caveat for you. We're, we're doing great. Matter of fact, even through a pandemic, we're up year over year. Like we're up and to the right. I, so I, I never preach generosity out of need and I'm not doing it now. And so you can give here, you can give somewhere else. I don't care. I just want you to get this principle in your heart because it'll change your life. And it's this, that a generous person will prosper. This is a kingdom thought because our world has taught us and maybe your family system has taught you or maybe you know all the books you have read have taught you and I'm all about that, I'm all about, I've, I've read them all, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Invest and, and I'm all about it and I do it all but my foundational principle is this and it's opposite of the kingdom is that when I give is when I receive. When I'm generous, that's when I prosper. When I refresh others, that's when I get refreshed. And it's a kingdom principle. It is opposite of the world's principle because like my grandma used to say, get all you can and can all you get. Anybody grew up canning for vegetables? Okay, so y'all don't know anything about that. Ain't no farm people, all y'all city folk. You don't know anything about canning vegetables and then boiling it and anyways, come on. It's, it's this principle of, of get all you can and keep everything you can. And as citizens of a spiritual kingdom, what's different about us is we're generous. And can I just tell you, if you're visiting, you're setting among the most generous people I've ever been around in my life. This incredibly generous, incredibly generous people. And so I want us to go to chapter four of Philippians, and I wanna, I wanna kinda pull back the curtain for you. I want to affirm those who are generous, but I wanna pull back the curtain a little bit and allow you to see how generous people think. The point of view that they live from. Because I think if you knew how they thought and would think how they think, then it would radically change your life. And so I want you to write these down if you're a note taker. If you're not, write these down anyways. It'll help you. Number one is this. Generous people think partnership. Generous people think partnership. 
Look what Paul said in chapter four. He's writing to the Philippian church, closing out this letter. He said, yet it was good of you to share, somebody shout share, in my troubles. Share in my troubles. Now here's what has happened. Epaphroditus, one of Paul's buddies that is from the church in Philippi. He was on the dream team at Philippi. Come on, somebody. One of his buddies, they've taken up an offering from the ministry of the apostle Paul. And so Epaphroditus has now traveled from Philippi. Paul's in jail in Rome. So they they were bringing some money to the jail. Come on, somebody. And this this is first century Christianity. They were bringing some money to the jail, to Paul's ministry, to fund the advancement of the gospel. And he says it like this. When they brought the gift, he said, it was good of you to share in my troubles. The word share is the idea of fellowship. It's the idea that we lock arms together. That, that, that what Paul was trying to get the church at Philippi to see is that when you are generous, then we lock arms together. The idea of the word share is the idea that two people moving in the same direction. That you and I, when you're generous, when the thousands of people that call Life Point home all around the world are generous, you know what we're doing? We're all locking arms together and we are moving in the same direction towards seeing people far from God become fully alive in Christ. Every time you give, together we're helping people know God. Together we're helping people find freedom. Together we're helping people discover their purpose. Together we're helping them make a difference in the world. It's this idea of partnership. Now, Paul says, you shared with me in my troubles. What was the troubles Paul had? He was in jail because he preached the gospel. Now think about it though, like logically for a moment. I'm I'm kind of a student by nature, later in life, not earlier in life. So I I read the text and go, no, no, no. Nobody from Philippi is under house arrest with Paul. Nobody from Philippi planted the church in Corinth. Nobody from Philippi went to the synagogue with him as he would go into a new town and shared with them that Jesus the Messiah has come. But he says, you were in fellowship with me in all those things. Here's what Paul was saying, is that your dollar went where your body couldn't. Your generosity went to a place that maybe you didn't go physically. So what Paul was saying is every time you gave, you did plant that church in Corinth. Every time you gave, you did win that person to Christ because we are in partnership. Can I tell you something? I want to pull back the curtain on how generous people think because if you want to receive the benefits of generosity, you got to think like a generous person. Here's how generous people think. They think partnership. So, so generous people in our church, they didn't physically go rescue 12 girls from human trafficking like we've done this year. But they go, no, I did rescue 12 girls from human trafficking. Why? Because they think partnership. People in our church, they didn't necessarily move to Louisville and aren't setting this morning in the core team, which is already over 130 people, by the way, and they ain't even lost the church yet. But all the generous people, they ask about it. Why? Because they did plant a church in Louisville. Because they don't think transaction, they think partnership. Are you following me? I, was, I got a story this week about a lady in our church who had been praying for her mom pre-COVID. 
Yeah, it's almost like BC and AC. Now it's going to be like pre-COVID, after COVID. <laughs> like, remember when that? Anyways, and so been praying for her mom to come to faith in Christ. And, and during COVID, the mom actually started watching online. And then whenever we said we're, we're going to regather and then we, we figured out how we could safely do baptisms, decided, called and said, do you think I could do an at-home baptism? You know, we'll baptize people anyways. You got enough water that we can get you under. We will baptize you. But the night before, the mom called the daughter and said, I think I actually want to go to church in the morning, like show up physically. That morning came, was baptized, and the daughter was baptized as well. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Hundreds of people have been baptized. That's just one story of hundreds. The people that are generous in our church because they think partnership, they didn't step into the water. They didn't say, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They didn't actually put the person under the water, but you know what? They go home going, I baptized that many people today. Why? Because they didn't a financial transaction. It is a partnership. They understand that every time God allows me to go preach somewhere, we all went and preached somewhere. Every time one person comes to Christ, we all brought that person to Christ. Every time an addict is set free, we all help get that addict free. Every time a marriage is healed, we all got that marriage healed. Why? Because finance is not transactional. It is partnership. Generous people think partnership. They don't think, oh my, I'm just some financial transaction. No, no, no. They think we are in this. We're advancing the gospel together. We're helping people connect in community together. We're helping people get on mission with Jesus together. And this is what Paul was saying. He was saying, hey, I just want you to know you shared in my troubles. You shared in this advancement of the gospel. We were in this together. We were locking arms together. Your generosity went to places that you could never go. But oh, you went there because you thought partnership. I'm helping you see into the mind of a generous person. Generosity thinks partnership. Number two, generous people think investment. They think investment. They don't think transaction. They think investment. Look what Paul said to him. He said, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with me, With the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Now, I love what Paul says here. This is amazing to me. Paul says, in the early days of our acquaintance. In other words, you didn't even really know me, but you were generous. Do you know some church historians talk about our early church fathers, which those who were right after the disciples and right after the apostles, like the first century Christianity, that they talk about some of them going from one location to another location, and they mention the church in Philippi, still hundreds of years later, this culture of generosity. Isn't that amazing? They were just these kind of people. They were just known generous people. I don't know about you, but I want, I want people to go hear LifePoint's name and think generosity. I just want it to be like that. I just want people in the community to go, yeah, generous church, always giving church, always serving church, always loving, caring for the poor, helping the needs of others, always revival, always giving. Uh, what would we do without LifePoint in this community? What would we do without LifePoint in our state? What would we do without LifePoint in our, just what would we, I want if we packed up shop, people would be like, no, 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 please open back up, please open back up. We're just known for our generosity. I love that. They didn't even really know Paul. And they're like, we'll give, we'll give. 
And he said, some churches, they didn't even give it all except you only, only this church in Philippi. And, and here's what, what some scholars say about this giving and receiving is, is the church in Philippi had this reciprocal relationship. Paul invested in them and they invested in the ministry of the gospel with Paul. But Paul invested in a whole lot of churches, but a whole lot of churches didn't invest back in the ministry. Paul said, in other words, there was a whole lot of churches that it was a one-way relationship. They came and got, but they never gave. He said, except you only. And he said this, for even when I was in Thessalonica, I was doing ministry in places that didn't even benefit you in Philippi. But you sent me aid, somebody say again and again. When I was in need, not that I'm looking for a gift. And I love this because if you'll get this, It'll change everything, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Let me phrase it this way. I'm not looking for a gift, but what may be credited to your account. God isn't trying to get something from you. He wants to do something for you. That's what Paul's saying there. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to do something for you. I want something credited to your account. If, if any of you have ever invested in anything, invested in anyone, invested in a startup, invested in a company, you expect a return on your investment, right? I mean, we even have an acronym for it, right? You want an ROI. Are you with me? When I invest in something, I invest, when I invest my retirement, when I invest in maybe a startup company, I, I want to return on my investment. I'm expecting my investment to build or create something. Here's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting my investment to multiply. Are y'all with me? And I, I bet you would expect the same. You're, you're expecting something to multiply. I'm expecting my investment to multiply. Can I tell you something? When you're in the kingdom of God, you should expect an E-R-O-I, an eternal return. Come on, somebody, on investment. You should expect an eternal return on your investment. And that Paul, that's what he was telling them here. I'm not trying to get a gift. It's not that I'm in need of a gift, but I'm wanting something to be credited to your account. I want something to be credited to your account. I want you to invest in something that will outlast you and will live for eternity. Are you with me? Generous people think investment. Generous people don't think I'm giving and I'll never see it again. Generous people think I'm giving, it's going to multiply and it's going to meet me in heaven. Are y'all with me? They don't think, oh, I'm giving and it's gone. No, no, no. When you give into the kingdom of God, then it gets multiplied and then it gets credited to your account. So when I get to heaven one day, I'll receive crowns. What are the crowns I'll receive for the good works that I did on this earth? I would hate to have a big account here and an empty account there. I would hate that to be the story of my life because I'm not living for this earth. I'm living as a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. Are you following me? Generous people think investment, investment. And so where do you start with your investment? Where do you start with your investment? I remember whenever I first started investing, when I started thinking about actually retirement, I was like, where do, I don't know where to start. Well, the Bible tells us where to start. Some of us think, well, our gift is, is so, it just won't really make a big difference. Can I tell you something? God can take your gift and he can multiply it and make it a difference in the lives of of others. So where do I start with our gift? I'll tell you, the Bible is really, really clear about where we start, and it's a thing called the tithe. This is a simple 
word, it's really a mathematical term that simply means 10%. Simply means 10%. We find it all throughout. We find it in the Old Testament, find it in the New Testament. Um, I actually could spend a whole sermon I have on just that one word. Like where we find it, what it means, is it the law? Some people are like, well, that's the Old Testament law. And it's actually not. It was given before the law. It was encouraged by Jesus. Jesus told us to tithe. So if he says it, it's good enough for me. And then Paul actually taught us to give according to the grace given to us. And that's radical generosity because 100% of your sins have been forgiven. So if you wanna give 100% of your income, go for it. I'm not that spiritual yet. <laughs> so Paul says, give according to grace given to you. But, but in Malachi, it says this, says, it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, God says, if you obey, here's my response. Here's the promise attached, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing, second part of the promise, so great you won't have enough room to take it. So two part of a promise, I will open heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing too great for you to handle. Then he says, try it. I just love that. God's like, you don't believe me, try it. Put me to the test. Only time in scripture God ever says to test him. Outside of this, I would not test God. Not a good idea. But in this, he says to test him, bring the whole tithe. What is that? It's, it's 10%. Which 10%? It's the first 10%. So what does that mean? That means if I were to have uh, 10 $100 bills, $1,000, which one is the tithe? It's not the one in the middle. It's not the one near the middle. It's not the bottom one. It is the first one. Why is that? Because tithing isn't about God getting something from you. Just follow this train of thought with me for a moment. You've never made enough money in your life that God stepped back and went, wow. If I could get a piece of that. Be a game changer for heaven. There's a little patch of a street of gold I haven't been able to pave. But if I could just get them to give that, it would really make a difference. It's never happened. So if God doesn't need something from me, what is God trying to do? He's trying to get my heart aligned in the right place. And so every time I give the first 10, it says before I do anything else, God, you're first. It's why in the Old Testament, he would tell them, give the firstborn as an offering of any of your livestock. Why did he say the firstborn? He wanted them by faith to give the first before any others were produced. It wasn't God produce five, then I'll give the first so I know I got a backup plan. No, it was I'm gonna give the first before I'm ever guaranteed anything else will be produced. Let me say it this way. I've said it this way for 15 years. 90% with the blessing of God will go further than 100% without it. 90% with the blessing of God will go further than 100% without the blessing of God. Here's, here's the action step some of you need to take. You need to sit down to your budget. First of the month is coming up and you need to go, God, I'm gonna start putting you first. I'm gonna put you first. The first thing I do, maybe you think I'm a little legalistic. The first thing I do when I get paid is I text my giving. I don't wait till Sunday. Before my mortgage payment comes, I want before anything else gets sucked out of the account. <laughs> I wanna give, why? It reminds me, God, you're first. God, you're first in every area of my life. God, you're first in my, re every two weeks, I'm reminded that God's first, that God's first. You know what else I'm reminded of? Every two weeks, I remind God, you've said you'll open heaven over me and you've said you'll pour out a blessing and it has been true in my life. I've been tithing since I was in fifth grade. I haven't got a whole lot right, 
but I had parents since I was in fifth grade taught me this, and I don't know of anything that's passed through my hand that I haven't given God the tenth. Why? Because I know this principle is true. I've seen it over and over and over. My, there's nothing that comes into this ministry that we don't first give the ten to God. You mean you tithe as a church? Yeah, we tithe 10% outside the walls. Why? Because if it's true for me personally, it's true for us corporately. And I want open heaven over us. I want blessing poured out that we cannot contain. Are you following me? So we bring the tithe. That's where we start. That's the, I say it this way. That's the training wheels of generosity. Well, pastor, I don't know that I could get, well, start somewhere. But it means you may have to say no to some things to say yes to putting God first, to test him in it. Like you, you, may, you, may, you may wanna lower that car payment for the car you bought that you were trying to impress people you don't even know. Are y'all, y'all following me? You put God first, you put him in the tithe. You think investment, why? Because Paul said, I, wanted, I didn't need the gift, but I wanted something credited to your account. In other words, every time, generous people think every time I get, I just got an EROI. Every time I give, I just got a return on my investment. And can I just tell you something? I may be biased and you can give wherever you would like. Um, I just think there's an amazing return right here in this place. Amazing return on lives being changed and on ministry happening, kingdom of God expanding. Number three is this, generous people think worship. Generous people think worship. They don't think financial transaction, they think worship to God. Look, look what Paul said. He said, I received full payment and even more. In other words, you were so generous, it was more than what I needed. I am amply supplied. The ministry is supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are, watch this, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, and they're pleasing to God. Their offering was three different things, according to Paul. It was a fragrant offering. In other words, before God, it just smelled good. It just smelled great. It was an acceptable sacrifice. God was happy with the gift. And then it was pleasing to him. Isn't that beautiful? Generous people, they think worship. They understand this principle right here is that they don't give to a church, they give through a church to God. Let me say that again. They don't give to a church because if, if you give to a church, then, then that stops your generosity. But if you give through a church to God, like Paul said, they gave to Paul, but Paul said that somewhere in their giving, it flipped and became a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice, and it was pleasing to God. Can I tell you something? Those who... Those of you that are, that are generous in this church, you're, you're returning the tithe to God because it belongs to him. You're bringing an offering before God. Every time you give, fragrant offering. Fragrant offering going up to heaven. Acceptable sacrifice. God smiles on you. He's happy about it. Isn't that incredible? What a great promise. What a great, generous people think worship. They think worship. I, I just, I'm amazing, amazed. I'm amazing. I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm amazed at the generous people in our church. But I'm not surprised. I'm amazed. Sometimes I just go, I can't believe your level of sacrifice and can't believe your passion to see the vision advanced and accelerated. 
but I'm not surprised because their point of view is this. And if your point of view is this, of course your behavior is going to be generosity. They, they, they see it as partnership. They see it as investment. They see it as worship to God. You know what that means? That there's a part of their generosity that has nothing to do with this church. It's just them and Jesus. They just get it. I, I love it. I love at the end of every year how we come together around our kingdom builder offering. If you're new to our church or it's kind of your first time, you know, come back next week. I, I, I talk about generosity. I don't, even, I don't even think I've talked about it in the last 18 months, really, or at least a year. I haven't preached on it over a year. I know that. But at the end of every year, we come together around this year in giving. It's called our kingdom builder offering. It's, it's where we have, we have people in our church that are so generous, they wanna give over and above their regular giving just because they wanna see more churches planted. They wanna see more people reached. They wanna know, Pastor, can we do this faster? Can we, can we get this building up quicker? Can we plant another campus quicker? Can, can we launch some more churches quicker? Can we rescue some more girls out of human trafficking? Like, like they just want it done faster. So, so I'm like, we're gonna do it all, but they just give so we can do it quicker. And, and we come together. And so what we do at the end of the year is we just say, everybody in the church, get on the team for one Sunday. Just everybody join the team for one Sunday. And I just, I want you to plan for this. Why? Because we're gonna have a moment of worship on December the 13th where we're just gonna come around this giving. December the 13th. I want you, and here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to ask God what he would have you do and then obey. Just ask God what he would have you do. And here's what I know about our God. He's not gonna say do nothing. You know what else I know about him? He's gonna ask you to do more than what you're comfortable with. He's gonna push you out of your comfort zone. But you know what? If you can get this, man, I'm just trying to pull back the curtain on generous people, how they think and why they're so blessed and why they're so full of joy and why they just seem God seems to favor them and open up because they, they got a point of view. They got a different angle. They're looking at it than most people. They think worship. So that's just, they, don't, they don't look at kingdom builder offering with like, oh, here's kingdom builder. They go, oh gosh, I get to give again. I don't have to give, I get to give. And so I want us all praying about that. No matter where you are in the world, no matter around the world, literally we have an online family around the world now. I want you to participate, why? Because you know what, other generous people thought partnership, they thought investment, and now you're watching from somewhere in the world and God's ministering to you. Why? Because there were some generous people who had a point of view. They thought worship. It's gonna be a beautiful day. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It's when we get to come together and go, you know what? All of us, we're gonna lock arms because we're in partnership and we're gonna push this vision. We're gonna push it into 2021 like it's never been pushed before. We're gonna advance into this next year. Man, I just can't, I can't wait. I just believe that, that greater things are ahead of us. I believe that, that exceedingly abundantly, I believe what you make happen for others, like James said, God's gonna make happen for you. I believe that when, when the, you know what Paul said about the church in Philippi? He said, you were in poverty and out of your poverty abounded generosity. Some of you are thinking, my gift's too small. No, 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 why? Because when you put it in the hand of God, he multiplies your gift for kingdom advancement. Come on, somebody, generous people. They think worship. And then one more. Can I give you one more? Generous people think abundance. And man, if I could get the church out of anything in America, it would be out of a scarcity mindset. 
Why are we living in a scarcity mindset when we have this promise? And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches. My daddy is a rich man. My daddy is a wealthy man in Christ Jesus. In other words, the same God who put resources in your hand, if you're willing to release them, is the same God that can put them back into your hand if you're willing to release them and put it back into your hand, if you're willing to release them and put it back into your hand, if you're willing to release them. Why would we live with the scarcity mindset? I just gotta get all I can, I gotta rake it in, I gotta hide it, I gotta save it, I can't be generous, no, 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 no. I live free. Why? Because my source is heaven. You know what I found out in this life? That God really wants me to just be a funnel. And when I'm stingy, I'm a really tiny funnel. But I'm just telling you, I've learned over my life, God can get ridiculous with you. If you're willing to open the funnel wide and go, God, whatever you give into my hand, I'm willing to give it out. Whatever you give into my hand, and I'm just telling you from experience, God gets ridiculous. If he can trust you to not clog up the funnel. Go, no, I'm gonna keep it for my, no, no, no. Why would I think scarcity when I have a God of abundance? You have a God of abundance. I love the passage in Corinthians where Paul wrote, he said, he gives seed to the sower. So whatever you have in your hand, God gave it to you anyways. He gave seed to the sower. And those who sow sparingly, you know what they reap? They reap sparingly. It's not that God's mean. You just can't plant one bush and expect 10 bushes. It's just like logical. But he says those who sow generously, they reap generously. And look what, look what he says at the end of that passage. He says this, and God will generously provide all you need. Somebody shout all then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to keep for yourself. That's the kingdom of God way. No, what is the more for in your life? It's for others. Why has God given you abundance? It's to meet the needs of others. So if you're a citizen of a spiritual kingdom, generosity is about partnership. You may not go there personally, but you're giving will. And they think investment, that everywhere my investment goes, it's credited to my account. They think worship. That God, this really isn't even about a church or a ministry. or It's really just me and you. It's just really every time I text, God aligned my heart where my, where my treasure is. That's where my heart's going to be also. Every time I text to give, it reminds me, don't be greedy, Daniel. Every time I text, it reminds me, God, you've supplied abundantly in my life. Every good and perfect gift has come from you and not from me. I haven't built this life, God, you've built this life. It reminds me every two weeks, I'm just reminded over and over, over and over. And generous people think abundance. They know that the same God that put the, the supply in their hand, if they'll release it, is the same God that can put more in it the next time. And they know, they know that if they'll keep the funnel wide from heaven to earth, if they'll be the conduit through which heaven touches earth, that God can get ridiculous with what he wants to do in your life. Will you pray with me today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
You know, one of the reasons we're generous is because we were given the most radical picture of generosity when God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he gave. He's a giver. If you wanna be like God, be a giver. He's a giver. He gave his only son. And maybe today that's the step you need to take is to receive the gift. It's not about religion. It's not join this church. It's, it's none of that. It's, it's do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I'm not asking you if you've been confirmed or had your first communion or been baptized. Or I'm saying, do you have a personal relationship? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know heaven is your home? Are you confident? Because you can be. The Bible says we've all blown it. We've all sinned. We've all come up short. That's not a condemning statement. It's just the human condition. It says, but in the wages of our sin, it's death. It's, it's really bad news. It's horrible news, actually. It's eternal separation from God. It says, but the gift of God, it's eternal life. That's the good news. And the way we receive this good news, the gospel, is we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we say, God, we believe in the resurrection. We may not be able to see it with our eyes, but we believe it happened. You never saw Abraham Lincoln, but you believe he was here. We believe it. And then we declare you as Lord. In other words, I'm gonna make you the director, the controller, the authority, the king over all my life. The Bible says in that moment, you'll be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. You have a brand new beginning. It's not by any works. Well, don't I have to clean some things up? Don't I have to get better, pastor? No, 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 no. When the spirit of God comes into your life, he helps you do all those things, but that's not the starting starting point so that you don't get any of the credit for it. it is a gift, 100%, no strings attached. So if that's you today, I, we're gonna all pray together as a church, no matter what room you're in, anywhere in the world. We're gonna pray together for the benefit of those who are praying for the first time, say today, pastor, I know that I'm far from God. I don't wanna be anymore. Today's your day. It's a day of new beginning. Church, let's pray this together out loud. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. That is the greatest decision. The Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing over one person that says yes to Jesus. And, and we wanna celebrate with you. I wanna know about that decision. I actually wanna get a free resource in your hand and really not free, it's because the generosity of this church, we're able to send that to you. And I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Fully Alive. And it's all about how to take next steps in this journey, how to grow, how to move forward in this life of faith. And so if you did that, simply text the word LCS, it'll be on the screen for you, to 94000. You can just text that. We'll get that in the mail to you this week. Listen, every week, dozens and dozens of people from all over the place are letting us know they made that decision and we wanna celebrate that with you as well. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also wanna encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, 
or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.